Uh, if you're over 30 years old, you probably remember the very popular E.F. Hutton commercials, TV commercials from back in the 1970s and 1980s. Re remember those? They, uh, you know, there were different versions, several different versions of them, but they all followed basically the same storyline. There would be two people talking together about their personal finances. Uh, they'd be in some crowded place at a shopping mall uh, or on an airplane at a party. And one of them would turn to the other and say, well, my broker says that I should do this or that. And then they would turn it around and say, what does your broker say? And the other person would respond by saying, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, and the minute that line is out of their mouth, E.F. Hutton says, the whole scene would freeze. You remember this? Everybody would stop doing what they're doing at the mall or at the party on the airplane, and they would lean in and listen, and then the commercial would close with a classic line, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Now, we're in the third week of a five-part series called Turn by Turn. Getting God's direction for everyday decisions. Wouldn't it be great to have an E.F. Hutton in our lives who could give us expert advice on any significant decision we're wrestling with? You know, how should we spend money on Christmas gifts this year? Well, E.F. Hutton says, wouldn't that be great? You know, I'm, I'm thinking about asking a girl in algebra class out to the movies. Well, E.F. Hutton says... Or we got a dog, she's 15 years old and got arthritis and in pain, and is it time to put her down? Well, E.F. Hutton says, it'd be so sweet to have some authoritative voice that could speak into our everyday decisions. Well, the Bible tells us that there is such a voice. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside. And one of the titles by which the Holy Spirit goes in the New Testament is that of counselor or advisor. So if you've put your hope and your trust in, in Jesus, you now have an all-knowing internal advisor who can lead and direct your life. And when the Holy Spirit speaks we would be wise to listen. Now, the question is, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? You know, how do we know when we've heard his voice? Well, today we're going to take a look at a story in Acts chapter 13. I want you to turn there in your Bibles. You'll find it in your New Testament. Acts 13, this is a story in which the Holy Spirit speaks to a group of Christ followers, and he directs their decision-making. So if we want to learn today how to listen to the Holy Spirit, if that's your desire, you want to know, how, how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? There are four aspects of that listening that we're going to consider. There's an outline in your program. I encourage you to write these four things down. Okay, if you want to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit, jot down these four insights. Number one, listening to the Holy Spirit requires a listening posture. A listening posture. Now let me read the story to you. It's rather brief, beginning at verse 1 of Acts 13. And when I'm done, we're going to thank God for his word. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. 
So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them went other way by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, God, we thank you for your holy word. Now, the, the event that I just read to you described in these opening verses of Acts 13 doesn't sound very momentous, does it? And yet it is the reason that every one of us who's sitting here today at one of our four campuses or watching online, this is the reason we're here. This is the reason. See, we're here because of a decision that was made in a city called Antioch, Syria, almost 2,000 years ago. It was a decision to send out two of their leaders, Barnabas and Saul, to spread the good news about Jesus worldwide. See, up to that point in time, the Christian movement had been pretty much a local thing. Jesus had been a Jewish rabbi in Israel, and the good news about Jesus had not spread much beyond those boundaries. But but now a group of Christ followers in Antioch is saying, let's send out two of our leaders, Barnabas and Saul. Uh, By the way, Saul later changes his name to Paul, a.k.a. the Apostle Paul. Let's send them out far and wide with the good news about Christ. So if you're here today as a Christ follower, or even if you're just exploring the Christian faith, you're checking out a relationship with Jesus, you can trace your spiritual journey all the way back to that decision that's described in the opening verses of Acts chapter 13. This is where the spread of Christianity began. This is one of the most important decisions in the history of the world. No exaggeration. So what prompted the decision? A small group of people heard from the Holy Spirit. They heard from the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Holy Spirit said. Now, I want to underscore what these guys were doing when the Holy Spirit spoke to them. I mean, what, what what were they doing? Were they watching a ball game on TV? No. Were they catching up on Facebook? No. Were they working out at the gym? Say it with me. No. Okay, were they shopping? No. Were they taxiing their kids around to various kids' events? No. What what were they doing? According to to verse 2, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Fasting means to skip a meal or two, sometimes a day or two, two days worth of meals in order to spend time with God. Now, here's the point I want to make, friends. If we want to hear from the Holy Spirit, especially with regard to some big decision we're wrestling with, then we need to adopt a listening posture. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit will never speak to us while we're watching a ball game or working out or shopping, but it's far more likely that the Holy Spirit will have something to say to us when he knows that we're deliberately listening to his voice. Make sense? I mean, some of you are wrestling with a big decision today, facing a a big decision. So, So my question of you is, are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Is there a time, is there a place in your day when you're giving the Holy Spirit of God your full attention, when you're demonstrating a listening posture? I I love the story that is told about Franklin Roosevelt. He was the 32nd president of the United States, 
And on one occasion, FDR was in one of those long receiving lines. You know, people were going by dignitaries and he was shaking one hand after the other. And it occurred to him that probably nobody was paying attention to what anybody else was saying. You know, they were greeting each other, but it was small talk. So he decided to do a little experiment. As he would shake each hand and people would walk by, he would shake their hand and he would say, I just murdered my grandmother this morning. I just murdered my grandmother this morning. I just, you know, and people would respond by saying, that's wonderful, Mr. President, or keep up the good work, sir. Until finally, you know, at the end of the line, there was the ambassador from Bolivia, and he was actually listening. He was listening to what FDR said. So FDR said, I just murdered my grandmother this morning. And he said, I'm sure she deserved it, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) The the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. The, The question is, are you listening? You know, the the problem is many of us are not making any effort to listen. We rarely adopt a listening posture. How did that small group of Christ followers in ancient Antioch, Acts 13, how did they prepare themselves to listen to the Holy Spirit? Once again, verse 2, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting when the Holy Spirit spoke to them. You know, in other words, they they were spending time with God. They were giving God their full attention. See, this is what we need to do every day if we hope to hear from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Otherwise, our our lives are just too busy, they're too noisy to pick up on the voice of the Holy Spirit. Too busy, too noisy, too busy, too noisy. We got to push back. First, we got to push back against the busyness to carve out time to hear the Holy Spirit. You know, one, one of the big challenges... We've been pushing during the fall at Christ Community Church. We've been saying every one of us needs to become a daily Bible reader. Okay, you got to carve out time each day to spend in God's Word. And so we've put together a read through the Bible in four years reading schedule. We've put together, we've designed a Bible-savvy journal where you can record your insights. What is it God says to you as you're reading His Word each day, and how are you going to put it into practice in your life? So have you picked up a Bible-savvy journal yet and begun to use it? Just 15, 20 minutes of quiet a day, alone with God. You know, for most of us, the best time of the day, first thing in the morning. You know, but before we do anything else, before we head off to school, before we head off to work, you know, before we pick up the newspaper or go online to get our news, before we serve the kids breakfast, you know, to carve out time to sit down with God's Word. Now, maybe there are exceptions to this rule. If you're a mother of preschoolers, you know, the best time of the day for you is any time you can get it, right? So it may be when the kids finally go down for their afternoon nap. Or maybe you're wired differently and you know the best time for you is in the, the middle of the day when you close your office door, or you go out and you sit in your pickup truck and you open your Bible or you know maybe you're a night person and when the house or the apartment is finally quiet and things have settled down, then you can open your Bible and read and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Sue and I were having dinner with friends of ours last Saturday night, and uh, my buddy said to me, he said, this Bible-savvy journal is transforming my life. I've never been so daily exposed to God's Word, and he said, here's how I'm doing it. He commutes to Chicago every day, gets in his car and drives into the city, 
And he says, I've got a Bible app and an audio Bible. And he said, I listen to the passage of the day. I'll listen to it four or five times. And then I'll roll it over and over in my mind, trying to listen. What is the Holy Spirit of God saying to me? And then at the end of the day, when I come home, I grab my Bible Savvy journal and I write down what I heard earlier in the day. That's brilliant. Brilliant. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Our lives are so busy, so we need to intentionally set aside time each day to read God's word and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Moms and dads, got to help your kids with this. Okay, this is why for grade school kids, we've developed their own, designed their own uh, Bible-savvy journal called the Epic Journal. And, and I recognize it's hard. It's hard to do this with kids. It's hard to carve out the time. Family schedules, kids' schedules are crazy. And maybe you don't do it seven out of seven days every week. But if you do it three days out of seven or four days out of seven, you're teaching them the most important life lesson of all, how to listen to God. And I recognize it's not always going to be an ideal sort of experience for the little kids. They're going to be squirmers and squirrely kids and not paying attention. And, but over the long haul, even though every time you don't get a stellar insight out of Scripture, you're teaching them, this is how we listen to God. Get it? Good. Good. Got to push back against busy. And we got to push back against noisy. Here's another tip if you're using a Bible-savvy journal. Find a quiet place, a quiet place where you can read God's Word and listen to the Holy Spirit. Now again, everybody's wired a little different in this regard. Some of us have a higher tolerance for noise than others. Uh, some of you students amaze me. You could do your homework while you've you got earbuds in listening to your favorite music. Uh, some of you like to take a laptop and do your work at a, a bustling coffee shop. I like to do that. But when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit, friends, it, it requires occasional silence. Some of us even refer to this as our daily quiet time. Quiet time. We grab our Bible and our Bible-savvy journal, and we find a place away from the noise of music, away from the noise of other people's voices and TV, because we don't want to miss a single word that the Holy Spirit is going to say to us. Hey, come on, this was Jesus' regular practice. He would get away by himself, find a place of solitude where he could listen to his heavenly Father. You know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, we will only hear what he has to say if we've developed a listening posture. And a footnote to this point, for those of you who are brand new to following Christ, or maybe you're still exploring the faith. You, you haven't crossed that line of commitment yet, surrender. But you want to read the Bible. I would recommend don't pick it up where we're at in the Bible Savvy Journal because we're currently in the Old Testament book of Genesis. If you want to start reading the Bible for the first time, I would encourage you to begin in one of the four biographies of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark. And you, you hear Pastor Clayton and me say this all the time. Now, what's good about our current journal uh, each journal covers four months. So we're just about to the end of our first journal, and the new journals are out. So if you're using one, pick up your new journal. But the current journal started back in September in the Gospel of Mark. So if you're a brand-new Bible reader, pick up one of the current journals. Don't start on today's date. Go back to September and start in the Gospel of Mark. A listening posture. Number two, you want to hear from the Holy Spirit? 
requires, number two, a listening pathway. Now go back to Acts 13, verse 2. While they, you know, this small band of Christ followers, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. I'm just so intrigued by that line, the Holy Spirit said. Because I want to know, well, how did the Holy Spirit said? Okay, how did the Holy Spirit speak? What was the pathway of communication? Was it an insight they got from their Bible reading? I mean, did they hear an audible voice? Was it a, a personal impression that one of, them, one of them had? Did they see a collective vision? Well, the passage doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit spoke. It just says he did. So if we're hoping to hear from the Holy Spirit, especially if we want his guidance with regard to some big decision we're facing, what communication pathway should we expect him to use? Well, we've already been talking about the most common pathway. It's the Bible. You know, the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we spend daily time in the Bible. The first sermon in this series dealt with that topic. How do you get wisdom from the Bible? How do you hear from the Holy Spirit when you open God's book? I mean, the, the Bible is the Holy Spirit's book. We would expect to hear from the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 21, I won't ask you to turn, but you want to jot that reference down. 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says that the authors of the Bible, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the guys who wrote this book were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was behind the original writing of the Bible. And in the same way, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us daily as we pick the book up and we read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, another reference to jot down. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 says, We have received, now listen, we've received the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit helps us understand this book that God has given us. When we surrender to Christ, God's Spirit comes to live on the inside. He helps us understand and apply his book. His book is the Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible. If you've wondered, why, why is it that I pick up the Bible and I get nothing out of it? Perhaps you've never surrendered to Christ. It makes a huge difference once you surrender to Christ and the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside. So we need to keep this in mind when we're doing our Bible reading or when we're preparing our community group lesson or when we're sitting in church on a weekend listening to a sermon from the Bible. Okay, that it's the Holy Spirit speaking. In fact, we would do, listen, we would do well to begin with the prayer, Holy Spirit, speak to me. See, th this is not just homework that you do when you open your Bible to fill out your Bible savvy journal. This is not just a lecture that you're listening to at a weekend service. This is the Holy Spirit of God speaking through his word. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Moms and dads, when you're meeting with your kids, don't call it epic homework. Call it listening to God. You know, we're going to listen to God together as we open his word. Now, is the Bible the only pathway that the Holy Spirit uses to communicate with us? 
Well, you know, there are examples in the Bible itself where people heard from the Holy Spirit of God through, through other channels. So we'd have to say, yes, there are other pathways. If you've been doing your Bible reading, if you've been going through Genesis, you, you might remember the story of Abraham when three visitors come to his tent one day and they look like normal human beings, but they're heavenly visitors and they give him the news that God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The Holy Spirit is speaking through these visitors. Or the story of Jacob, Abraham's grandson, who's on the run. And in the middle of nowhere, he goes to sleep one night with a stone for his pillow. And he has a dream. And the dream is of the stairway between heaven and earth. And angels are coming and going. And the Holy Spirit of God speaks to Jacob's life through that dream. You know, fast forward, we're eventually going to get to the story of Moses. Moses is out on the backside of the wilderness one day and he sees a bush on fire and for some reason the bush isn't burning up so he goes to inspect and a voice, God's voice, speaks to him out of the burning bush. Gives him instruction for his life. You know, fast forward a number of years, there's a young boy by the name of Samuel who's living and working at the temple, and he's eventually going to become one of Israel's greatest prophets, and one night in his sleep, he hears his voice called out, and he doesn't know what to do with it, so he runs into the next room where his mentor, Eli the priest, is sleeping, and he wakes him up, and he says, somebody's calling my voice, what should I do? And Eli says, well, the next time your voice is called, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what Samuel does. And God audibly speaks to him. You know, fast forward to the New Testament. The Christmas story, we're all familiar with that. How did Mary and Joseph learn that she was pregnant? How did they find out the identity of the child she was carrying? Because an angel named Gabriel, a frightening angel, appeared and gave them the news. The Holy Spirit spoke through Gabriel. You know, later on in life, you know, Jesus grows up and begins his earthly ministry. How did Jesus hear from God the Heavenly Father? Well, he would periodically get away by himself to some place of quiet and he would pray. And while praying, there would be impressions on him, no, no, no doubt, because on one occasion he prayed all night long and the next day had a huge decision to make. Which 12 guys would, would he make his original band, his group of disciples? And it was after prayer, being led by the Holy Spirit, spoken to by the Holy Spirit in prayer the night before, that he made his decision to call the 12 disciples. You know, later on in the New Testament, we run into the Apostle Paul. Paul's going from country to country, sharing the good news about Jesus. On one occasion, he's stuck. He's wondering, well, where do I go next? That night, Paul goes to sleep. He's awakened by a vision, and in his, his vision, there's a guy from a country called Macedonia saying, come here, help us here. We need the good news about Jesus here. So, wow, throughout the pages of Scripture... God shows up, God speaks through other channels other than the Bible. So if we're hoping to get God's direction for our lives, is it possible that the Holy Spirit will speak to us through uh, some extraordinary circumstance? You know, maybe not a burning bush, but something else. Or through an angel, or with an audible voice or through a dream or a vision, or through some internal impression that we get while we're praying. 
Well, you know, based upon the biblical examples, that is certainly a possibility. Don't want to rule that out. No doubt the Holy Spirit has spoken to some of you who are gathered here today in one of those ways. However, let me make two important qualifying remarks about these pathways other than the Bible. First is this, these are unusual pathways through which the Holy Spirit communicates. In other words, they, they, they're not typical, they're not regular occurrences, not even in the lives of the people I just, just cited in Bible times. I mean, how often did a burning bush speak to Moses? Once. You know, how many times did Paul determine his travel agenda, his itinerary, based upon a night vision of someone appealing to him to come here or come there? Only one time that we know of. Don, Donald G. is a theologian with the Assemblies of God, a Pentecostal denomination. And uh, Pentecostals, that happens to be my own background. My grandparents were, were Assemblies of God missionaries. They tend to put a big emphasis on supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They, they expect the Holy Spirit to regularly be doing miracles and speaking in extraordinary ways. But, but Dr. G., a Pentecostal theologian offers a word of caution to fellow Pentecostals. He says, an examination of the scriptures will show us that as a matter of fact, the early Christians did not continually receive such voices from heaven. In most cases, now listen, in most cases they made their decisions by the use of what we often call sanctified common sense and lived quite normal lives. Many of our errors arise when we want the extraordinary and exceptional to be made frequent and habitual. Theologian Dallas Willard says the same thing in his book, Hearing God. Dr. Willard says, I, I do not say that God may not guide through a vision or dream, but if he does, it will be very seldom, and it'll be because he cannot get hold of our normal processes to guide them, for God is found most clearly and beneficially in the normal rather than in the abnormal. And, and that leads me to a second qualifying remark about the various pathways that the Holy Spirit will use to speak to us. Here, here it is. Don't assume... Don't assume that the non-Bible pathways are somehow more special or supernatural. In fact, I would say to you, it's okay if God is not speaking to you in these other ways. It's okay. Several years ago, my son Andrew, he was wrestling with some big decisions. He was thinking about engagement and trying to choose a career path. And he had had a disquieting conversation with a friend of his. His friend is one of those like some of the Pentecostal folks that Dr. G was writing a word of caution to. This friend would hear God speak in a variety of ways. God, God told me this, God told me that. And Andrew came to me one day and he, he relayed this conversation and he said, am I missing something, Dad? You know, is God supposed to be speaking to me in these, in these other ways? Because I've got big decisions to make, and I feel like a second-class Christ follower. Should I be expecting a dream? Should I be expecting some, some sort of vision? Let, let, let me read you another quote from Dr. Dallas Willard's book, Hearing from God. He says, children love the spectacular and show themselves as children by actively seeking it out, running heedlessly after it. 
It may sometimes be given by God. It may be necessary because of our denseness or our hard-heartedness. However, it is never to be taken as a mark of spiritual adulthood or superiority. You hear what Dr. Willard is saying? He's saying, you know, don't be intimidated by those to whom the Holy Spirit is speaking in some other way. You know, when all you're doing is reading the Bible, you know, just reading, oh, just reading the Bible. See, the Bible is the main pathway through which the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you through some other channel, you, you better make sure that it matches up against what the, the Bible says because the Bible is the Holy Spirit's book. It's the final word of authority. So there may be other pathways. Just be careful as you go that route. Make sure that you're spending time with the main pathway with, with Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. You get it? Good. Here's number three. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit? It requires a listening posse. Okay, look, look again at the opening verse of Acts chapter 13. Five guys are mentioned by name in this opening verse. They're leaders in the church at Antioch. And Bible scholars say that their names suggest this was a fairly diverse group of buds. Okay, this was an unusual posse. First name on the list, if you're open to Acts 13 verse 1, is Barnabas. He was one of the earliest followers of Jesus, a Jewish follower, hometown Jerusalem. Next guy on the list, Simeon of Niger. Simeon was probably a black man from northern Africa. It's even possible, Bible scholars tell us, it's even possible that this Simeon here was the Simon in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life who was forced to carry Jesus' cross when he stumbled on the road to his crucifixion and the Romans gave his cross to an outsider named Simon. may have been this Simeon right here. Third guy on the list, Lucius another North African. Fourth guy on the list, Menaean, says he was brought up with the son of Herod. Herod. Herod the Tetrarch was the son of Herod the Great. So Menaean grew up playing kick the can in the royal palace. Okay, this is Menaean. And then the last guy on the list is Saul, this one-time devout Jewish rabbi, soon to become the famous apostle Paul. Now that's a men's community group. Wow. Cool group of guys. And it's to this group, as a group, that the Holy Spirit speaks. The, the Holy Spirit gives them directions collectively about sending out Barnabas and Saul to tell the rest of the world about Jesus. Now, again, we, we, don't, we don't know how this happened. We don't know if one guy in the group got the message from the Holy Spirit, shared it with the others, and they then affirmed this is the Holy Spirit speaking. Or, or, or maybe they heard simultaneously from the Holy Spirit uh, through an audible voice or coming up with the same personal impression at the same time. However it happened, the whole group participated in the discerning of the Holy Spirit's leading. And, and this is the point I want to make here. And it's the same point that Pastor Clayton made in last week's sermon. Friends, when we're trying to make important decisions, it sure helps to have some wise people in our lives we can bounce things off of. Now, if you're married, it starts with your spouse. You're making a big decision. Don't make it independently of your spouse. 
You know, if you're still living at home, if you're a young adult, you know, this means running your big decisions by mom and dad, getting their input. If you're part of a community group, it means sharing your decision with brothers and sisters in Christ. What do you guys think? You know, if, if at work you have some wise friends or at school, and I emphasize wise, some wise people, you, you want to get their advice, you want to get their, 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 their counsel. It's terribly foolish to make big decisions about college or about relationships or about expensive purchases or about job offers or, or about what, whatever without the counsel of other people. Don't make independent decisions. And, and don't make, you know, following what we're learning today, don't, don't make independent decisions and then justify them on the basis of, well, yeah, God's speaking to me. Well, if God's speaking to you, then when you run it by your brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going to affirm that what you think you've heard has really come from the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're scared that you might not get their affirmation, then maybe you haven't heard from the Holy Spirit. Now, because Clayton covered this point so well last week, I'm just going to move on to the fourth and final aspect of listening to the Holy Spirit. So you start with the listening posture. Okay, you, you carve out time to meet with God, and then you need a listening pathway, the primary one being Scripture. And, and then you need a posse to bounce things off of. And fourth, you need a listening priority, a listening priority. Uh, I saw something on a TV commercial the other day, and I thought, I'm going to add this to my Christmas list. It was Amazon's Echo. Have you seen that puppy? I mean, this, this, is, this is a little thing you ask questions of. You set it on a coffee table or whatever in your living room, and Alexa answers. And Alexa is like Siri on steroids, okay? So you can ask Alexa about the news or sports or the weather. You can ask Alexa to order you up a, a, a Domino's pizza. She could call Uber for you, you know, get a ride. She, she could turn the light on or off across the room while you're lying in bed. You know, this is pretty, and she can hear you wherever you're at because, you know, the Echo has seven microphones built in and it's got beam forming technology. I have no idea what that means, but that was so cool. Beam forming technology. And she's smart. In fact, she's getting smarter every day because she's connected to the cloud. So her smarts just keeps growing. I don't really think I'm going to ask for an Echo. Okay, and the reason is Alexa can't answer the most important life questions I'd like to ask her. So the most important stuff in life, Alexa can't tell me what to do. Now the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. So the Holy Spirit addresses those things that are most important. Go, go back to Acts 13. When the Holy Spirit speaks to this group of guys in Antioch, Syria... What does the Holy Spirit say? Does he tell them what to, what to cook for dinner? Does he tell them which car to buy or how to build a deck on the back of their home? 
You know, the, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to set apart Barnabas and Saul for a special mission. This is the mission, mission of getting the good news of Jesus out to the world. The news that Christ has come, has laid down his life on the cross to pay for our sins, has risen from the dead, and to all who surrender to him, he now gives forgiveness. He gives new life. He connects people back with God. He gives them an eternal home. Set aside Barnabas and Saul for this important task. See, that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to this group of guys in Antioch, Syria. It was a top priority message. So when we consider listening to the Holy Spirit's input with regard to our everyday decision, you know, it's important to keep in mind that the Holy Spirit really wants to focus on top priorities in our lives. It's important to keep in mind that he, he has an agenda for us. You know, I, I know some people who want to hear from the Holy Spirit about everything. And, and they, they feel that this is how God leads them. So you get up in the morning, you spring out of bed, and you go to the closet, and you open the closet doors, and you ask, Holy Spirit, what should I wear today? Okay, if, if, if your garbage disposal breaks down, then you, you go to Home Depot, and you look at a whole row of garbage disposals to choose from and you you say holy spirit which garbage disposal do i go with if you want to see the christmas lights over the next week or, or so you're going to go into the city holy spirit do we drive or do we take the train friends a lot of the insignificant decisions that we make every day listen a lot of the insignificant decisions don't require listening to the Holy Spirit. They just require some basic wisdom. Remember what I said the first week of the series about, about the Bible? How does the Bible work? Okay, we read a little bit of the Bible every day and we apply it to our lives. And you do that day after day after day. And over time, you become a wise person. And wise people make, say it with me, wise decisions. Wise people make wise decisions. That's how most of our decisions should be made, by using our Bible-accumulated wisdom, not by asking the Holy Spirit, well, should I do this or, or should I do that? I'm not saying it's never appropriate to ask that. I'm just saying most of our everyday decisions get made on the basis of Bible-accumulated wisdom. You know, Kevin DeYoung writes in his book, Just Do Something, which is the book that Clayton and I are recommending over the course of this series. It's on sale at Resource. And by the way, if you're in your 20s or your 30s, this is a must-read book. Just do something. He makes this statement. He says, why did the Lord give us brains and say so much about gaining wisdom if all we're really supposed to do is just call on the Lord to tell us what to do in a thousand different non-moral decisions? Follow what he's saying? He goes on to say in his book that our preoccupation with finding out God's leading with regard to minor decisions often obscures the most important decisions that God wants to address in our lives. Now let me repeat that. This is a really important thought. Sometimes our preoccupation with finding out God's leading with regard to minor decisions obscures the more important decisions that God wants to address in our lives. In other words, we, we miss things that the Holy Spirit really does want to speak to us about. For example, Kevin DeYoung brings up the, the topic of careers, and he says many of us obsess about what, what vocation we're going to go into. 
You know, should, should, I, should I become a radiologist or a school teacher or a truck driver? We, we want to know. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And, and he says, may, maybe that decision is not a big deal to God. Maybe. It's not a big, maybe God would be cool with any one of those three professions I just mentioned. Maybe what God is really concerned with is not whether you become a radiologist or a school teacher or a truck driver, but what kind of radiologist or school teacher or truck driver you become. You follow what I'm saying here? You know, maybe God wants to speak to us about our character on the job. Maybe God wants to speak to us about our empathy for people on the job or how we represent Christ on the job. Maybe these are more important things to the Holy Spirit than which job it is we do. I'm not, please understand, I'm not saying don't seek him at all about that. What I'm saying is that sometimes we get so wrapped around the axle of things that don't matter as much to God that we miss what he's really trying to say to us. You get it? Good. I mean, we, we could apply this principle to what's going on right now during the Christmas season. We're wrestling with all sorts of questions. You know, how much money do we spend on which family member and who's going to host the Christmas dinner and what are we going to do between Christmas and New Year's? And, and, and you know, we want to know, Holy Spirit, speak to me. God, lead me. What do I do? Is that the most important thing that, that God wants to speak to you about this season? You know, I, I'll tell you something I asked God's Holy Spirit to speak to me about over the last week, two weeks. I say, Holy Spirit, who, who do you want me to invite to Christ Community Churches? This is Christmas outreach. I actually, in my prayer time, I got out a piece of paper and I said, Holy Spirit, you know, I know you're working in the lives of my neighbors and the lives of the guys I work out with at the health club and the, the lives of people that I come across incidentally while I'm dropping off tri cleaner. Who, who do you want me to extend an invitation to come to this is Christmas? I think that's a really important, I think that's a mission. See, sometimes we miss the stuff that is mission critical. You following me here? See, my, my guess is the question I've wrestled with is probably a good question for every one of us to be asking the Holy Spirit about this Christmas season. Who should, who should I bring with me to this this Christmas? Who's open to the message of the gospel this time of year? Whose heart are you working in, God? That's what I want to be all about. I mean, let, let, let me just add some feet to this challenge, okay? If you haven't picked up tickets today, they're available at all, all four campuses. In St. Charles, we've got a box office. Other, other campuses, you're going to have to go online. Uh, Streamwood Bartlett, you don't have a This Is Christmas because your campus is just getting off the ground. Uh, but we're inviting you to come and... Uh, Use the This Is Christmas outreach at St. Charles as a place to bring your friends. What could be more important? What could be more mission critical than that? See, if we want to hear from the Holy Spirit, we need a listening posture. We've got to carve out time daily to meet with God, to quiet our hearts. We, we, we need a listening pathway. And, and the basic one, the, the, the main one, has got to be the Scripture. We're going to hear from the, the Spirit of God in other ways, but if we don't know the Bible, we, we won't know how to evaluate wh whether those other channels are really the Holy Spirit's voice or some other voice. We, we need a listening posse. We need people we can bounce stuff off of. We need a listening priority. We need to say, okay, God, you've heard what I've been asking you, but what should I be asking you? What's most important on your agenda for my life? In just a moment, we're going to 
participate in a time of communion. So as I close in prayer, I'm going to be asking our campus pastors to come to the stage of their campus and get ready to lead in communion. Would you bow with me in prayer? I want to give you a moment across our four campuses to consider that question. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to you about? In fact, you can ask him right now, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to say to me? And it may have something to do with some area of disobedience in your life. Communion's a good time to get right with God, to get back on the path, whether you've been wandering for a day or a week or a month or five years. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about where my life's at right now? If you're a follower of Jesus, it may be, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to reach out to this Christmas season? Who needs Christ? Who would respond to an invitation from me? In fact, I want to challenge you as you're bowed before God that you you might even want to pick up tickets. You don't know who you're going to invite, but you're going to pick up tickets on faith. And over the next couple of days, you're going to say, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to give these tickets to? Who do you want me to invite? Lord God, I pray that we would be attentive to your voice. What a privilege it is to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Holy Spirit, may we not grieve you or turn a deaf ear to you or in any way undermine the work that you're doing in our lives. We're so grateful to have you as our resident counselor. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.